It's my privilege to be able to preach, thanks to Dr. White, Dr. Rogers, for letting me be a part of the faculty series on the coming king in First and Second Samuel. It's Christmas, though, so we're making a little audible here. We're not going to start in First and Second Samuel. We'll actually start in Luke 1 in a minute, because Christmas is the coming of the king. That's what we're celebrating, the coming of the king. I love Christmas, you love Christmas, mainly because it's a Christmas break from school, but you also love Christmas because of the Christmas traditions, right? You know, you have some Christmas traditions, maybe you're gonna visit grandma or whatever else. I grew up, when I grew up, we had some great Christmas traditions. I went to both of my grandmother's house on the same day, so that was kind of tough, lots of food, but wonderful. In my home now, we have some traditions. Um, with my kids, we have something we call the search for baby Jesus, so during this season, we have a little manger scene set out, and it's got a little baby Jesus in it. And so on Christmas Eve, when my wife's doing all the wrapping of the presents part, I'm hiding baby Jesus somewhere in the house. And so then I have all these scavenger hunt clues that I come up with, and it'll take them so they show up, and in the manger, where the manger should be, uh, there's a clue. That's the first clue in it. And throughout the, the rest of the house, they're all over these various clues, and eventually the last clue leads them to baby Jesus. They bring it back and put baby Jesus in the manger, and then we do the Christmas story. And in the Christmas story, I remind them how the shepherds came from the hillside to search for baby Jesus, and how later the magi came following a star to search for baby Jesus. So that's our segue into a fun thing and a tradition. And I remember when I was a kid, I had a tradition. Every year I tried to spoil my brother's surprises. I would try to tell him about his presents before he opened them. Now, some of you who are big brothers, you've done the same, so don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. You did something to ruin it for somebody else. That's what I did. And so sorry about that, Jeff, if you're watching this, my bad on that, uh, sort of. Uh, I did it every year, so... The other part of Christmas tradition that I remember is my mom. She did all the work in our house to make, I mean, believe me, Christmas runs on mom power, right? I mean, that's the experience, mom power. So they make it happen. So when you show up, mom did it all, okay, just so you know. And so that's the way at our house. One year, my mom wanted us all to go get a Christmas tree together. And my brother and I, my dad were like, ah, no. Nah. She was like, okay, well, then we just won't have a Christmas tree this year. So we're like, fine. So we did not have a Christmas tree that year. Isn't that awful? I mean, how bad were we? But she would also try to get herself in the Christmas mood because we weren't any help. She, what she would do is she would watch Christmas movies. And so there was a, a Christmas movie, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, that she always loved. Yeah, okay, some of you, all right. And then she also loved um, Miracle on 34th Street and it had a couple different versions. She loved those. So I, at thinking about that, I thought that's probably works for you as well. If you like been focused on finals, and I know you are, you've been focused on finals and finished that and all that stuff. So when you get home, you're going to need to get in the Christmas mood. And so I thought, how about some Christmas movies? So let's start with a, a Christmas survey here. I want to do a survey about what is your favorite movie. I, I don't do social media, so I thought we'd just do it live. So what I wanna do is on the count of three, I just want you to shout out your favorite Christmas movie. And if you'll just listen closely, you'll get some recommendations for next week. Okay, so ready? One, two, three. Wow, okay, I heard a lot of Elf, so apparently a very sophisticated crowd here. Um, and, and maybe more than one Die Hard, okay? So, yeah, I thought that. Um, so hopefully, if those were your choices, you listen to some of the other choices as well around you. There are other movies. I did not hear any Christmas Carol. 
So you, you might remember the, the, the book by Charles Dickens, uh, uh, The Christmas Carol. There's various versions of the movie. Jim Carrey made one not too long ago. And, and, and it's based obviously on Dickens' book. And in Dickens' book, you might remember Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Um, he has this former business pro, uh, partner, Jacob Marley, who's gone, died, and so his ghost visits Scrooge, because Scrooge is awful. I mean, spoiler alert, you should know this already, but he's awful. Scrooge is awful, and so Marley comes to him and warns him about the way he's living and how he's so miserly and all these sorts of things, and so he also lets him know that he's gonna be taken by these three ghosts or spirits back to Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future, right? And so that's sort of the rest of the story. And so we're gonna actually spin off of that, not by a spirit, but by the Holy Spirit, using the scripture, we're gonna visit the Christmas past and a Christmas present and a Christmas future. So, but remember in the Dickens story, they start in the, the present day. So we're gonna do that. Our present day, however, is gonna be in Luke chapter one, when Mary gets a visit, not from Jacob Marley, but from the angel Gabriel. <laughs> uh, yep, much better. Uh, so Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, kind of like she'd been visited by a ghost, right? She's troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel answers. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Now notice as I read these next few verses, various promises about this son. You shall call his name Jesus which by the way, we know from Matthew chapter one means that he will save his people from their sins. Verse 32, and he will be great, honored, and he will be called the son of the most high. So not just a divine figure, but the, the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You see what Mary is hearing about? The baby that she will give birth to is the king, the coming king, and he will accomplish all the promises of God that he had given to Abraham's descendants, Jacob, and through his father, David, and he will have a kingdom where there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Now, we, we first see her question, it, it seems like a biological one, right? And she does have a biological point here. How can this be? Because I'm a virgin. But, but when she says, how can this be? It's not just about the virgin birth. It's about all of that. How could it be that I could give birth to a baby that would be great, the son of the most high? that he will have the throne of his father David, that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and that his kingdom will be forever. How can this be? Well, it's a great question. So let's visit a Christmas past and find out about how this could be. 
uh, the king of Christmas past. We found about, uh, heard about him already this semester from 1 Samuel chapter 2 in Hannah's song. Let's hear Hannah's song. Her song goes like this. It's rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. Do you remember it? When we heard it earlier this semester, there's a salvation that comes from the Lord. And this is how her psalm begins in verse one of 1 Samuel 2. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Hear the declarations of Hannah. No one is holy like the Lord. And there is no rock like our God. She, her song will continue, and I'll read it again in just a moment some more. And what we're going to see is that she's going to talk about the king, the king who will give strength to the weak. He will exalt the lowly, and he will give life to the dead. Let's hear Hannah's song, beginning in verse 3, or continuing in verse 3. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Notice that the Lord is the one who judges. Verse four, the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on in strength. You see the weakness of the weak? He binds them with his mercy, with his strength, and the mighty are broken. For those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. Those who felt they were self-sufficient are now hiring themselves out for bread. But those who were hungry have ceased to the hunger, have ceased to hunger. And the barren has borne seven children, but she who has many children is forlorn. You see, Hannah's song is not just a song of redemption, personal redemption, it's a redemption for the nations. It's a redemption that the Lord will exalt those who are low. This is going to be a theme in the songs of Christmas that we're going to see that God reaches out and he provides grace to the humble. As her song continues, in verse 6, it says this, The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. You see, he exalts even the dead. You see, even death is no match for the power of the Lord. Rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. He raises up the poor from the dust. Those lowly ones, he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. You see, the world is, the, is in his control. He is the one who determines what rises and what falls. It's not by their strength that they will succeed. It is by his strength that the lowly will be made whole, that those even who are dead will be raised to life. You see, he's going to talk and work through his king, and Hannah's song will now focus on that king, the king will defeat his enemies and he will humble the proud and he will slay the wicked. This is how our song continues in verse nine. 
He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. He knows you. He cares for you. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. You see, our proud strength is crushed before him. Verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against him, he will thunder in heaven. See, his enemies have no chance before him. All those who stand firm against him, like Psalm 2, those who stand on the field of battle against him, those who rattle their swords against him, are those who raise their fist in defiance in their own hearts, have no power before him. He breaks them to pieces. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and he will give strength to his king and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. You see, the power and the strength of the Lord will be exercised through his coming king. So the attention of the biblical authors, the prophets, and then later the apostles is on this coming king because it's through that king that the Lord will bring his salvation and that he will bring justice, he will bring judgment, he will bring his kingdom through that king. You see, the song of Christmas past that Hannah sang for us should tell us this very clear truth, that the Lord brings his judgment and his salvation through his king. Hey, you remember in Christmas Carol, after Ebenezer Scrooge goes to Christmas Pass, see, he's shaken by that visit to Christmas Pass. But he's not changed. He still needs to visit Christmas present. So let's also go now to see the king of Christmas present. It's Mary's song in Luke 1. Hear Mary's song with me. Hey, and the refrain will sound similar. Here's her, her song. Rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. She says in Luke 1, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations shall call me blessed. You see, Mary's rejoicing is not in what's about to happen. There's a concern. She has fear, but she knows that the Lord is bringing about his promises of the king. She's just heard from the angel that God is doing this miraculous thing. And so she says, rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. She knows that the king will show favor to the humble. He will give mercy to those who fear him. And he will remember his covenant promises. Here's how her song continues in verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things. The Lord, he has done great things for me. And holy is his name. That same theme we heard in Hannah's song about the Lord is holy and a rock. Here Mary sings, Holy is his name. Notice verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him. Do you need the mercy of the Lord? Have you been going through a season of suffering or struggle against sin? Have you seen failures? Have you made mistakes? Do you need the mercy of the Lord? Hear Mary's song. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. From them 
to us mercy from the Lord. He has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered, here's the warning, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. You see, it's not just those who array in a field of battle, but those in their hearts who are proud and resist him. I'm good, I don't need him. Be warned, there's a scattering, a judgment that's coming from this king. You see, the king will scatter the proud and he will bring down the mighty. Hear Mary's song as it continues in verse 52. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, even the kings, even the powerful ones. And he has exalted those of humble estate. Just like Hannah sang, he has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, his people, in the remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. These are the covenant promises that are recounted throughout the scriptures, the law and the prophets into the, the writings and now into the New Testament, this promise of God's faithfulness to his promises to Abraham that he would make a people for himself, including the nations, and that to David that he would have a king who would be from David, who would reign over the nations forever, this forever king and a forever kingdom. God remembers those promises and he acts in mercy because of those promises. Mary's song reminds us, this song of Christmas present reminds us that through his king, the son, the, the son, the Lord punishes those who oppose him and he shows mercy to those who worship him. Remember in Christmas Carol, how Scrooge was sobered by the visit to Christmas present, but he was not changed. He still needed to visit Christmas future. So let's now visit the king of Christmas future. Revelation chapter 22, Jesus is coming. Let's now hear heaven's song. The king will judge the wicked. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Let me repeat that so that it lingers in our hearts. I'm coming soon to repay each one for what he or she has done. As that rings in our ears and settles into our hearts, we're aware Wait a minute, it's not just those out there that are wicked who deserve his judgment, but it's us. Each one repaid for what he has done. This warning is a warning from heaven that the king is coming and he will bring his judgment. But here's the good news. The good news of heaven's song is that the king will forgive those who are washed in his blood. See, this is the great reversal. Though he is a majestic king, he's a suffering servant. He's the one who was vanquished from the powers of the day. He was threatened by evil man, 
ultimately handed over and dying so that he could shed his blood for those who would come to him for mercy. The king will forgive those who are washed in his blood and he will give life to all those who believe, those who hunger and thirst. You see, the imagery of hunger and thirst is powerful because it reminds us it's that in our lack, our insufficiency, that we come to him to gain what we do not have, hunger and thirst. Revelation chapter 22, verses 13 and 14. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You see, this one who is the king was not just a baby in a manger. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the creator of all things. All things were created by him and for him. In verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes. Are your garments stained with your sinful choices, selfish desires? Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have, listen to this, they may have right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. The city is the glorious heavenly city that comes down and sits among us where God dwells with his people and we're invited to come into that city not based on our standards, not based on our past and righteousness, but purely on the fact that our robes have been washed in the blood of this king. This baby who would die and will come again as the triumphant king. He's the one. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have right to that tree. Eternal life and they may enter the city. When we hear of this king, our response, our refrain should be rejoice. Rejoice in the coming king. Listen now to the song of heaven in verse 16 and 17, Revelation 22. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. For our sake, I am the root and the descendant of David. He says, I'm the king. I'm the one you've been waiting on. I'm the coming king that you've hoped in. The bright and morning star. So now, verse 17, there's an invitation. It could not be more clear for those of us who need to be washed, those who, who need to be strengthened, those who are recognizing our weakness before him. Here it is, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears come. The invitation of this king has come where he could wipe us out with his judgment. Instead, in his mercy, he says, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for his righteousness, not your own? The righteousness that only he can provide. The righteousness that is the only righteousness that matters on that day of judgment. Are you thirsty? Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. You see, the water of life is the spirit. So in this song of heaven, we've heard about the blood that forgives. And see, that's our great problem. Remember our two great problems, sin and death. We are washed by his blood to deal with our sin. And we're given life by the spirit to deal with our death problem. God is the rescuer. Rejoice in the coming king. 
You remember Scrooge? He was shocked when he saw Christmas future and what it would look like. And he was ready to change. But he still needed to go back to Christmas present so that he could live a changed life. So let's with this now return to Christmas present. Do you remember Mary's question? She said, how can it be? How can this be? How can it be that God is actually bringing salvation? What we've long waited for, we've heard about from the prophets, we've sung about in our Psalms, this one, the coming son of David, he's here. What? How can this be? Luke 1, 35. The answer is the coming of the king. Here's the angel's answer. And then the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will shadow, overshadow you. Answering her biological question, by the way. And therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. Remember Hannah's song? Who is the one who is holy? The Lord is holy. The child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. What an announcement. He, he, he's not just a beautiful baby. He's not just a wonderful baby that she can cherish. This child to be born is holy. He is the son of God. The child is the Christ and Christ is the king. You see, he was put in the manger as the son of Mary, but he will come in the clouds as the son of God. She was to hold him in her arms, but he will hold the nations in his hands. His words were the babbling of a baby, but his, with his words, he will bring down Babylon the great. His head rested on a pillow of straw and later would bear a crown of thorns. But one day, his head will hold a many diadems. She, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, but one day he will be wrapped in a, a robe dipped in blood. Mary and Joseph called him Jesus, but one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is king. This is the miracle and the wonder of Christmas, that the king has come and salvation is found in him. And this is always the good news. About 500 years ago, there was a preacher who was also a professor, sounds familiar, a guy named Martin Luther. And he preached on our text for today in Luke 1. And this is what Luther says about that text. When the Holy Virgin experienced what great things God was working in her despite her insignificance, her lowliness, her poverty, and inferiority. The Holy Spirit taught her this deep insight and wisdom that God is the kind of Lord who does nothing but exalt those of low degree and put down the mighty from their thrones. In short, he breaks what is whole and makes whole what is broken. 
Remember that the only sinner that God rejects is the unbelieving sinner who remains unrepentant because of their prideful self-sufficiency. But those who are low, those who are humble, the sinners who will come find mercy. I want to conclude with three questions. Number one, are you spiritually proud and refuse to acknowledge your need for help from the king? These three songs of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future are a warning to the proud. It's a warning to my own heart that sometimes looks inwardly for strength. It, it, it tries to deflect things that would maybe, maybe look bad because I've made some choices. There's a prideful self-sufficiency that God will judge. Are you spiritually proud and refuse to acknowledge your need for help from this king? Secondly, where in your life do you need his mercy? Where's the struggle? Is it a sin struggle? Is there suffering? Is it a diagnosis? Is it something back home? Where do you need his mercy? Are, are you willing to come humbly asking for his mercy to you? Hey, the greatest mercy that I have experienced is when in the midst of my sin and all of the collateral damage that it causes to come to my God who will judge sin but will also show mercy if I ask and cry out to him, let him change my heart and my desire through his mercy and grace given to me. Where in your life do you need his mercy? And third and finally, are you ready to come? Are you ready to come to the king? Are you ready to come to the king as someone who hungers and thirsts for his righteousness? Are you ready to come to the king as someone who hungers and thirsts for his righteousness so that you might be filled with him? Not just with his blessings, but with him. The promise of that living water, the spirit, that continues to give you life, that continues to allow you to battle against sin, that, that spirit that continues to give you hope in the midst of suffering. Are you ready to come to the king as someone who hungers and thirsts for his righteousness so that you might be filled with him, this glorious king? Would you pray with me? Lord, may these songs ring in our ears. The songs of your word, the scripture. The songs that we even sang earlier recounting these same truths. Lord, I pray for these students. My heart is broken for any who, who leave this semester staying in their own self-sufficiency and pride. 
Lord, by your mercy, would you pursue them? Would you use godly friendships, the preaching of your church, the time in your word, the call of the spirit to soften hardened hearts? Lord, we rejoice in the salvation that comes through the king, King Jesus. We thank you for the invitation that echoes from heaven to earth. Come, come those who are thirsty. Lord, we are thirsty for your mercy and your righteousness, the life that only you can provide, the life that is found in Jesus. And we pray in his name, the name of the King, Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed and Merry Christmas.